With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The kick ahead, and Dufty's chasing it. The bounce sits up. The Dragons are steamrolling to week two of the finals. Inside the last ten seconds of the game, St George Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air, going back is Mabel, oh, leaping high and taking it. Good evening, folks, and welcome to episode 187 of the Red V Podcast, your home of everything St. George Illawarra, and we hope you're doing well, Dragons fans. It's another frustrating weekend for the Red V, uh, up in the, uh, the the game up there in Cairns against South, and a game up to their eyeballs, really, for a good part of that 80 minutes, but unfortunately, again, another refereeing decision, having a, a bit of a say in that 26 points to 14 loss for the Dragons. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. Also, preview of the match against the Melbourne Storm, the Dragons playing their last game at Wollongong for the season against a Storm side that uh, completely played Canberra off the park last week. So the side's going to have to be at their absolute best or they could be on the back end of a shellacking. And of course, we'll have your lower grade wrap. We'll have a uh, look at your dr- latest Dragons news and updates and also uh, answer your fans' corner questions. Well, a bit of a late replacement here on the Red V podcast this week. Unfortunately, uh, no Curtis Woodward. So from the beaches of the rule, my good mate, uh, Johnny Pett had decided to jump back on as we try and Reminisce. Good times here on the Red V podcast. Johnny, thanks for uh, bailing us out a little bit here, mate, getting us out of trouble and uh, jumping on the podcast. How are you, how are you doing on this Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good to be back on the podcast. You and uh, Curtis have been doing a fantastic job, mate. I've been listening each week when I can. But, uh, mate, it's just been a, 
same old story with the Dragons each week. It's a little bit disappointing, <laughs> but we keep turning up, we keep supporting them, and we keep hoping they can get a victory. Yeah, it's been, uh, been a rough old season to, uh, to be a supporter of the, the Red V. Uh, we thought uh, 2022 was pretty rough. Uh, 2023 has, uh, has been uh, shocking for a lot of fans of the Dragons, but we'll try and find you some bright spots uh, in the podcast uh, tonight as we do each and every week uh, here on the Red V podcast. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, no Curtis Woodward tonight. Um, uh, Kurt's family is going through some personal stuff. Uh, tragically, on on, uh, on Sunday, I think it was um, uh, Kurt's mother-in-law, so his his partner uh, Tep's mother uh, passed away after a long battle with illness. So uh, we send prayer and well wishes to uh, to, to Curtis and uh, and and Tepra and, and their family. Obviously, going through a really tough time at the moment. And yeah, as as a lot of people know that have experienced listening to the podcast, anytime you lose a family member, it is yeah, it is a lot of sorrow. It's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. So we hope that that Curtis and especially Tepra, who herself is 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 going through a lot of stuff. At, at this time, um, yeah, is able to kind of come through the other side and a bit of positivity and, and love and, and prayer being sent uh, from everyone here at the Red V Podcast, I'm sure. Uh, plenty of you Dragons fans listening uh, will echo the, the sentiments that I've, I've just said uh, here on uh, on episode 187 of the Red V Podcast. But let's uh, jump in. Let's take a look at your Dragons news and updates this week. Folks, not too much to get through, but we will take a look at the NRL and NRLW sides that have been named by both uh, head coaches Jamie Soud and Ryan Carr in the last couple of hours. So taking a look at that side that was named only a few short hours ago, a couple of changes, Johnny, um, I guess kind of forced changes with both uh, Francis Molo and Zach Lomax coming back in. Um, Zach had picked up a, a shoulder complaint, so missed the, the, the loss uh, last week against South. Meanwhile, Frankie Molo had that head knock in the, the first couple of minutes of, uh, of the game. I think it was against Parramatta, and he finds himself back in the starting side. Uh, elsewhere, the only other change, which I find a little bit disappointing, um, Johnny, is the fact that Toby Couchman has been relegated to the Extended bench with Malizan, uh, Ryan Couchman, Ben Murdoch-Masilla and Zane Musgrove on the interchange bench. I guess I'm kind of a bit old school. I'd love to see him get a few more appearances under his belt, uh, especially for him getting development heading into next season. I guess it's it's good to see Ryan Couchman there. He's played played well in the couple of games we've uh, seen him play. But uh, yeah, a little, a little bit of a strange decision. I don't know if they're trying to manage Toby or, or maybe there's something in his game that, that they think he's not completely up to scratch with. Or it might be that they think that the, the settling on the 17 they've got is, is the best 17. But I, I would probably say that I think a Toby Couchman on the bench adds a bit more value and starch defensively than someone like a Ben Murdoch Masilla. That's my opinion. What what do you what's your take on the situation, uh, Johnny? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Jack. And you know, I've told you this for a couple of years. These Couchy boys are, are going to be future first graders for this club, and we've seen the emergence of both of them this season. And look, I would have hoped that Tobe got to play a few more games. Being in that 18th man, let's just hope that Ryan Carr has a bit of a change of heart and puts him into the 17. On with you. I thought maybe he could have got on there instead of Murdoch Masilla or maybe Zane Musgrove. Um, look, I funny enough, bumped into his old man down the coffee shop this morning. Oh, yeah, Ben, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I sort of had the heads up what was happening. But going down the track, Tobe's going to make a very good back rower. And I think Ryan Carr's just sort of managing him at the, at the moment. Mm. I, I don't think there's any better position a young bloke can be in than, than playing regular NRL first-grade football. And yeah. I don't like the concept of players being in and out of that side. 
I think for the future of this Dragon side, and if we we do see both Ryan and also Toby as future NRL players in the Dragon system in this 17 somewhere, they've got to play more games at the tail end of this season. And let, let's just hope we see Toby grace the field this week. If not this week, it'd be good to see him in those last couple of rounds. Yeah, my, my opinion on it, Johnny, is that, yeah, if he's not going to play first grade, give him 50 or 60 minutes down in reserve grade. I know New South Wales Cup, that they, they, they can't play finals, but I, I think at, at very least get him developing, playing big minutes against guys that have played NRL if that's what if you, if he's not going to be in, in, the, in the conversation for first grade, but I think him playing 20 or 30 minutes off the bench like he's been doing for most of this year is is uh, is beneficial. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Whether it's first grade football or reserve grade football, first grade football is a lot better for a young kid just to get hardened, but I don't see the point in carrying him as an 18th man. Send him back to Reggie's, let him play 60 minutes and get bashed by men and let him develop as a player. I think that's what we need to see out of some of these juniors coming through and especially um, the, these young Couchy boys. Yeah, we will see if uh, if there perhaps is a change closer to, to kick off Toby Couchman currently in that, that number 18 jersey alongside Sione Finnau, Jaden Hunt, Paul Turner and uh, and Max Finney. Uh, so good to see a couple of Dragons players that return still obviously without uh, Jack DeBell and he'll come back for the final game of the season and uh, no no sign of Jack Bird either. Um, the Dragons uh, casualty ward or injury list update just has a TBC next to his name. So I would, uh, as we've, we've mentioned several times this podcast, I'd be very surprised if uh, if we do see um, uh, Jack Bird uh, playing in the Red V uh, over the course of the season. I'd say they'll probably rest him and maybe try and restart him uh, for the Dragons into, into next season. Uh, elsewhere, the side pretty similar to what we've seen in recent weeks. Sloan at fullback, uh, Matt Fiernay and Ravalawa on the wings uh, with Suli and the returning Lomax uh, in the centres. Uh, Tal Tamon and Ben Hunt, the halfback and captain. Uh, then you've got Molo, Little and Laurie up front, the back row of Burns, Russell and Michael Molo. And uh, yeah, I think that 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 has probably been uh, the 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 Achilles heel of the Dragons. No disrespect to any of those players named in the back row, but I think uh, majority of them have played a lot of their football in the New South Wales Cup, but uh, they have been promoted and they do get some opportunities over the last couple of games of the season. Uh, jumping from NRL to NRLW, uh, again, a few changes by Jamie Sowart. His side uh, going down in cruel fashion, 19-18 in Golden Point to the Canberra Raiders uh, on the weekend. They will head to Combank Stadium uh, at Parramatta to take on uh, the West Tigers in round five. Uh, Shiona Amon has been named to make her NRLW debut off the bench. Uh, she signed with the club in the offseason. She was one of those players that uh, played really well in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership or effectively the NRLW reserve grade uh, competition. Uh, she was playing with the Bulldogs uh, and uh, she gets an opportunity uh, off the bench uh, to uh, to try and help the Dragons uh, get their second win of the season. Elsewhere, uh, Sophie Clancy, she returns from a concussion, a head knock. Uh, she'll start at hooker uh, with Renee Target and Carla Cowan both listed among the reserves. Renee Target's been pretty good this year. I know she's a player that Jamie Soward is high on, so I wouldn't be surprised to see her uh, be a late inclusion on the bench, can play a, a few uh, different positions. Uh, we've also got Tara McGrath-West returning to partner Angelina Tia Karanga katoa in the front row uh, with Alexis Tui and I uh, shifting back uh, to lock. Ella Costa also in the interchange uh, with Madison Weatherill and Roxy Murdoch-Masilla uh, both dropping back to the reserves. A big game for the Dragons. They uh, d- uh, fought back really well, I thought, in that second half against the Canberra Raiders, but I'm 
unfortunately for them, it was their third loss in four starts. Uh, meanwhile, head coach Jamie Soward re-signed uh, on a two-year deal to be a head coach of the Dragons NRLW side and also head of female pathways as, uh, as well. That's becoming a full-time job with the expansion of the NRLW as well, especially if you want to be in that upper end of, of, of talent there. That is uh, one uh, to keep an eye on uh, in the next couple of years. Well, this uh, rumour has kind of been shut down uh, over the last uh, kind of couple of hours, so it probably doesn't make a whole lot of point about us talking about it. But uh, the Sydney Morning Herald was reporting over the last couple of days that uh, Shane Flanagan uh, was looking to try and lure Joey Manu away from the Sydney Roosters. He's uh, off contract at the end of 2024, but uh, due uh, per NRL rules, uh, you can negotiate with players uh, coming off contract at the end of 2024 from November 1 uh, this year. Uh, Joey Manu's manager's come out and, and pretty much uh, played a straight bat to it and uh, and said that uh, he'll be staying at the Roosters and they're all confident, all parties are confident of getting a, a deal done. That may be so, uh, Johnny, but something that I've spoken about the podcast and, and we spoke about it when uh, we were back doing it together is that you might not get these players. You, you, you might be interested in 10 players. You might only land one of them, but just being in the conversation, especially from a fan's perspective, from a fan's point of view, it is so positive. I and mean, so many times big players have come of contract or big players have come on the market. We, I think we spoke about it when Latrell Mitchell left the Roosters to go to South. The Dragons weren't even in the conversation. So even though Joey Manu uh, might, it's uh, probably a 99. 9% chance that he stays at the Roosters and a 0.01% chance that he comes to the Dragons. I'm just happy to know that Shane Flanagan and the Dragons are at least in the conversation for a player of this caliber. Oh, I totally agree. And when I heard it on the news the other day that potentially Shane Flanagan was going to chase Joey Manu, I was, I was a little bit excited about it. I think he'd added a great dimension to the Dragons' side. And, you know, I think he's a, he's a, he's a world-class centre. He can play fullback. He can play 5'8". But with the talk of Flanagan wanting a trial Lomax at fullback next mm. season, I thought Joey Manu would be an absolute perfect fit there in the centres for the Dragons. But... Um, it, it is good as a fan to know that Shane Flanagan is chasing these high-profile players. If he's swinging his bat and he's having a miss, good on him. Hopefully he can swing the bat and hit the ball and jag a couple of these players that he's chasing to come to the Dragons. It'll, you know, He's going to have to play o pay overs, as we know, but at least he's out there giving it a go and trying to attract these players to the club. Yeah, I think it's a really positive move uh, for the Dragons, yeah, that uh, they can try and uh, lure these players. As, as you said, Johnny, might not always come out and that the Dragons might not always come out on top, but at least being in that conversation is, is an important thing. And it just takes you one or two players to, to land and it can create a bit of a domino effect. I know the Bulldogs are a bit of a basket case, but look at the players they've been able to um, recruit to the club. And that and, and the, the success of the Dogs isn't necessarily based on their recruitment, but I think the likes of, obviously, Jamin Salmon is coming this uh, next year, Stephen Cry. And obviously, Matt Burton, Josh Adokar. We know old mate Tavita's going to boxing now and retiring, so he's probably <laughs> not a great example, Johnny. But it just shows that if you can get you can get one or two players, then then often you can kind of hit three, four, five, six, and before you know it, you're, you're kind of really flipping your roster. Yeah, when you've got key personnel or key players in the game, like someone like a Phil Gould that can attract players, it, it's just a domino effect. And I think Shane Flanagan, he hasn't got the status of a, of a Phil Gould or anyone like that, but, you know, he has got a bit of a reputation as being a pretty handy coach. He's won a premiership. He has been known to attract players. So if he can jag one or two of these top-line players, I'm sure that others will follow in the next few seasons. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed start for the Dragons. Uh, it does look like Joey Manu will be staying uh, with the Roosters, but as he said, good news, the Dragons are at least in the conversation. There wasn't any other clubs uh, really mentioned in that Sydney Morning Herald article. It 
was just a dragon. So uh, a little bit of positive news there uh, if it is spun in uh, that particular direction. Uh, the only other piece of Dragons news we have uh, is that uh, due to the debacle last year with the presentation, the Dragons have actually announced that their uh, presentation awards or end of season awards this year uh, is going to be moved to the Tuesday after the season finishes. So the Dragons final game of the season is Saturday night, uh, round 27 against Newcastle at Cogra. Uh, so again, there's not going to be really any implications that come from that match. Um, and uh, then on the Tuesday, they'll have the end of season uh, awards. It's probably blown out of proportion a little bit, Johnny. It was it was a poor it was a poor showing, I thought, by by the Dragons uh, players that there was so many on end of season uh, trips, and and you can probably boil that down to the fact that yeah, there wasn't a, a whole lot of leadership within management there. They were allowing these players to, to go, but yeah, I guess the Dragons don't want something like that happen again, mate. They just look to nip it in the bud and are going to try and get it um, uh, done as quickly as that, as they can. Uh, I think last year. They said it was in the second week of the semi-final series. This week is obviously before a week one of the finals even starts. So, so maybe a smart decision by the Dragons management there. Yeah, look, last year was poor. It was a poor decision by the Dragons management when to hold it. But it was also poorly communicated to the players. Like, them events should be compulsory for anyone that goes. These guys know that they're going to finish the season. They've got X amount of time off. The Dragons should tell them at the start of the season when your presentation night's going to be. It's going to be compulsory because it's a big event and everyone must attend. The only thing I can think of, Jack, that could implicate them having it on the Tuesday after their last game is all the boys are going to go on Mad Monday. They're going to rock <laughs> up to that very hungover on the Tuesday. So um, They, might be, still, they still be might be drinking in the Steelers club, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, it, could, it could be a three-day bender for them. Good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be uh, there'll be plenty of drinks uh, being being drunk, and, and, and especially probably because they know they're going to um, yeah they're going to get the shit kicked out of them by Shane Flanagan <laughs> three or four weeks afterwards uh, or six weeks afterwards when pre-season training starts. But uh, yeah, that is going to be happening on uh, the Tuesday after the season ends. Uh, the Dragons' uh, final game of the season are uh, the Saturday night fixture against the Knights round 27 at uh, Cogra Oval. Well, considering we've uh, nailed off all the news, let's jump in and have a look at this week in Dragons history. This is the time of the podcast or time of our news segment where we take a, back, uh, take a look back at uh, some of the great players and great names and uh, iconic names of people that represented uh, both the St. George Dragons, the Illawarra Steelers and uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And uh, in this week in Dragons history, we go back to uh, 2002 when the St. George Illawarra Dragons, much happier times, we just lost to South Sydney over the weekend. But back in 2002, it was uh, South's first year back in the in the Premiership and the Dragons gave them an absolute shellacking uh, down there at Wynn Stadium at Wollongong uh, in front of 12,122 in round 23 action. The Dragons 58 uh, thumped South 16. Plenty of try scorers for the Red V. Uh, there were doubles to uh, Lee Hookie and Willie Peters, then uh, Ben Hornby, Mark Gasnier, Sean Timmons, uh, Luke Bailey, Mark Riddell, and Jason Hooper all scoring tries. Uh, Mark Riddell five from seven, Mark Gasnier two from three, and Jason Hooper uh, coming off the bench uh, did score a try but uh, missed his only attempt at goal. And uh, just the three uh, tries for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. A big win there for the Dragons. I think that was uh, one of their biggest wins of the season. And uh, for, for a time, uh, was, I think, uh, ranked second or third as the, their biggest win uh, as a joint venture. Dragons uh, winning by 58 points uh, to 16 there. Uh, then we jump across to round 20, 1995, uh, right in the midst of the Super League War. The Illawarra Steelers, who had unfortunately had to part ways earlier in the season with uh, Graham Murray uh, after, uh, yeah, the club made the decision 
decision to to fire him. He was the only casualty from the Super League war um, with him obviously trying to uh, perhaps uh, sort out some deals with Illawarra potentially joining uh, the Super League. Uh, but around 20, they were able to muster up uh, enough uh, enough skill to uh, to beat uh, the Sydney Tigers by 32 points to six down there at Steelers Stadium, 8,257. And it was a, a day to remember for Paul McGregor. He bagged a hat-trick in the centres. Uh, Brendan O'Meara, Rod Wishard and Keith Beauchamp all scored tries. Wishard kicked four from eight uh, for 12 points. Yet the, the brothers, Johnny Craig and Johnny Simon, playing in the in the halves. Uh, the, uh, the the old fella, Peter Johnson up front and, and, and names like John Cross at lock and Neil Piccinelli in the, in the second row. And obviously uh, your mate Wishy, Sean Timmons, Paul McGregor. Uh, some pretty handy names. It didn't all work out the, the next couple of seasons for the Steelers. 95 and 96 were some, some pretty dark days for them. But uh, on this afternoon, they uh, they got it going down there at uh, Steelers Stadium. Few and far between in those couple of years, Jack. They got a few wins, and you know the glory era for the for the Steelers was that '92 era. But you know you, you talk talking '95, '96, things weren't too rosy down there at Steelers Stadium. Yeah, disappointing uh, for the Steelers, but they were able to uh, collect a victory in round 20 of 1995. And a final game involves the St. George Dragons in round 20 of 1996 on, uh, on this very week, uh, the 18th of August, 1996. The Dragons, they uh, got out of jail with a, a plucky win against the South Queensland Crushers, a side that uh, doesn't exist anymore in the Premiership, but St. George winning by 26 points to eight. We had a couple of tries to Adrian Brunker uh, playing on the wing, while Troy Stone and Nathan Brown scored tries uh, Lane, uh, Wayne Bartram, three from five. And Lance Thompson, who definitely wasn't known for his goal kicking, but early on in his career, he was a decent backup kicker. He slotted two from two uh, for the Dragons. Uh, this was uh, in the midst of that uh, incredible run, which saw them win uh, seven of their last eight uh, to make the finals and then 11 of their last 12 games to qualify for the grand final, uh, beating South Queensland up there at the old uh, Lang Park uh, with uh, the Dragons uh, running at 18-point victors. Now let's take a look at some uh, birthdays coming up this week for former St. George Illawarra and St. George Illawarra players and a player that played uh, for both St. George and St. George Illawarra celebrating their 56th birthday this week is one of the greatest centres uh, to ever pull on the Red V, especially uh, when you look throughout that 1980s and that 1990s period. And it's the former skipper Mark Coyne. He'll be celebrating uh, his 56th birthday uh, tomorrow, the 16th of August. We're recording this on a, a Tuesday night. Uh, so if you listen to this late in the week, he may have already celebrated his birthday, but a very happy 50th. 56th birthday to the Brisbane boy uh, Mark Coyne. He established himself as one of the premier players in the Queensland first grade competition with the uh, Brothers Club up there in Brisbane and then came down to St. George uh, in 1988. It took him a little bit of time to get adjusted to, uh, I guess, the Sydney Premiership, as it was known uh, back in the day. Uh, started out in the wing, but uh, eventually made that centre position his own alongside uh, Michael Beattie in his early days. And, and then there was uh, several other players, uh, the likes of, of Rex Turp and Graham Bradley, uh, different players that played uh, on the other side of him. But uh, he was a wonderful player. 207 uh, first grade games for St. George between 1988 and 1988. Uh, 56 tries, but... But uh, uh, what was even better than his 56 tries was the, the many tries he put on for the likes of his uh, his, his, his star 5'8", Anthony Mundine, fullbacks and, and wingers. Uh, would, we would have been blessed to, to, to play outside Mark Coyne back in the day. Uh, so he captained St. George uh, throughout that uh, that tumultuous Super League period. Was also part of the St. George side that uh, played in the final of a standalone game in 1998 when they uh, lost to the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs. And then uh, played 15 games in the 1999 season for St. George Illawarra. 
Unfortunately, injury and, uh, and I guess father time probably caught up with Mark in that 1999 season. Didn't play in the grand final, but had to kind of watch on uh, as one of the co-captains that year in horror as the Dragons blew a 14-0 lead in Melbourne, uh, scraped home to, to win the premiership. But he was also a, a wonderful representative player. 19 games for Queensland between 1990 and 1997, and also nine games for Australia. Uh, played mostly during that Super League period, but he was a pretty decent uh, backup centre to have at your disposal. Of course, scored that uh, famous try, Johnny, didn't he? That it's painful for all us New South Welshmen to, to relive. It gets played every single year when they want to do a promo for Origin. That's not a try. That's a miracle uh, from that, that game in 1994. A little bit kind of before our time, um, I kind of saw the back end of, of Mark Coyne's uh, career at, at the Dragons at St. George and then the one season at St. George Illawarra. But he's uh, been a wonderful servant of, of the Dragons uh, the Dragons Club. And, and gee, what a, what a player he was. I, I would have loved to, uh, loved to see him uh, in, in his prime back in those early 90s periods. Yeah, fantastic player, good servant for for the well, the St George Dragons, and also when when the merger happened for the St George Illawarra, and you, you touch on that try he scored for Queensland, it'll go down in every season opener for every <laughs> Origin promotion. We keep seeing Mark Coyne cross over in the corner and break New South Wales hearts. But yeah, fantastic player, Mark Coyne. Yeah, great person as well. I know there was kind of some off-field stuff that happened a few years ago, and unfortunately, I think that gets mentioned a little bit too much that brings down his character. And, and an example of the, the the great character person that he was was that in 1998, he was honoured with a, a testimonial game. Um, and, uh, yeah, he do, he donated all of the, the, the proceeds from that game, which was $135,000, which was uh, even more than it is now uh, back in 1998. He, he dedicated that uh, and donated that, sorry, to a children's charity, and he's always been doing some really great work in the community as well. So, uh, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful player, a wonderful uh, servant for the Dragons. And, yeah, uh, hopefully we can yeah, see him get involved. I know he's a, a real leader in the in the finance industry. And, yeah, he'd be someone that I'm sure Dragons fans would love to have as a, as a CEO or involved uh, in the board or, um, yeah, in that, that upper echelon of the, the, the Dragons management in future years. And the other player that we want to mention having a birthday uh, this week uh, is Jack Holland. So that really is a throwback. Uh, Jack uh, was born on uh, the 19th of August 1922 and sadly passed away in 1994. Was a, a born and bred St. George boy, born and raised in, in Penshurst. He was a, a giant prop forward for, for the Dragons uh, and played a lot of representative football, uh, but also uh, won a premiership with St. George in 1949. They uh, defeated South in the 1949 final and also went on to play 87 grand games with 27 tries between 1947 and 1950. 52, uh, an era that probably doesn't get focused on a lot because a, f- a few years after uh, Jack retired, obviously uh, people were talking about that incredible run from 1956 to 1966. But the, the groundwork laid by some of those players in, in the late 1940s, uh, just after the Second World War and into the early 1950s when the likes of guys like uh, Tommy Ryan and Norm Proven and, and those guys were just starting to come into first grade. It would have been guys uh, like Jack Holland that would have led them along and, and shown them the shown them the ropes and, and shown them the, the way of the land uh, as, as it was to, to being a first grade footballer. So uh, yeah, a wonderful player. I know uh, Jeff Armstrong, Spirit of the Red V, 
three books. Uh, they speak uh, extensively about uh, Jack and, and, and his upbringing and the, the kind of player that he was uh, and the fact that he was an Australian representative as well. And that we can't we can't uh, can't gloss over that uh, too much as well. Played a total of, of 31 tour matches for Australia, uh, but also uh, played um, yeah well well over um, uh, eight matches eight matches in total uh, for St George in terms of, of Test matches back in the day. But the amount of times that he threw on the green and gold was uh, so much more than than you would have ever imagined for a player in that era. So uh, we celebrate Jack Holland today and uh, we thank him for his service uh, to the St George Rugby League Club uh, as well. Uh, before we finish off our Dragons news and updates section, we do need to do the Who Am I uh, this week on the Red V podcast. And the Who Am I is a player that was born on the 29th of January 1991 in Wellington, New Zealand. He made his uh, first grade debut for the St George Illawarra Dragons in 2010, where he made two appearances and scored two tries. He also had stints at North Queensland, the Gold Coast Titans, and came back in 2016 and 2017 for the Dragons, where he made uh, 17 appearances and scored seven tries. He also uh, had two appearances for New Zealand in 2011 and one for Samoa in 2013. I'll have a few other clues that I'll leave until the end of the podcast, but don't want to give too much away. uh, So we will uh, kind of circle back to that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. And uh, by the end of the podcast, it will uh, reveal who am I uh, for this week on episode 187 of the Red V podcast. But we're going to take our first break here on episode 187. On the other side of that, myself and Johnny are going to try and do our best to wrap up that 26 points to 14 loss against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Another frustrating performance where the Dragons were right in the match for the first 60, 65 minutes for a couple of calls and uh, some tiredness, no doubt, came in as South got the victory over the Dragons by 12 points. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton and Johnny Peck guiding you through everything St. George Illawarra. And time for our match review as the Dragons, unfortunately, went down again on this time a Saturday afternoon up there in sunny Cairns. South 26 accounting for the Dragons uh, 14. As I kind of mentioned previously just before the ad break, um, uh, Johnny, a game where the Dragons were again right into it um, for, for, for large portions of that 80 minutes. Um, they, they were down 8-4 at half time. They, they really tough 
tussled with. A south side that you could tell was out of sorts, uh, but I guess the turning point, and we'll talk about that in a moment, that the Luttrell kind of offside call knocked the stuffing out of the Dragons a little bit. So it's been three weeks in a row we've seen a refereeing decision um, play a part in, in in what's happened with, with the Dragons. But uh, I guess from your point of view, Johnny, and kind of watching it and watching the highlights and, and all of those kinds of things, what how did you assess the performance uh, with the Dragons on Saturday against South? Yeah, look, I didn't get to watch it live. I was at uh, Illawarra Footy, but got home and watched the replay, and it was just it was just all too familiar for this Dragon side at the moment. When when some of these key calls go against them, and whether you like it or not, the the referee's got the final outcome. What happens mm. on the game, and if you can bounce back and turn around from that decision, that poor decision each week, and just get on top of that, I think we can be a better football side. It just seems to be that. When, when a bad decision goes against us, we just really put our heads down and we can't combat and ter- turn around from that mm. and start playing good football again. That's, the, that's probably the, the disappointing point from me on that. But the biggest disappointment was the refereeing decision. We know it was a blunder. Yeah. We absolutely, we, we, it was a bludger of a decision. We, we, no one can disagree with that. But the way that the boys held together, they, they did show grit. They did show determination up until that moment. Um, there was a lot of takes out of it. I think they really did miss Zach Lomax, to be honest, yeah, Jack. I yeah. think they really missed Zach Lomax. And, you know, the last few few seasons and the start, start of the year, I don't think Zach had been that impressive. But the way that he's turned his form around mid-season and, you know, since probably the departure of, of, of Hook Griffin, I think he's really, you know, put a lot more back into this Dragons outfit. And he's been probably one of the better players on the field. We've seen him have some very good defensive games some very good attacking games and I think with him missing it would have deflated the Dragons a little bit but they showed a bit of grit they showed a bit of determination and you know they, they weren't too disappointing um, but you know it's it, it, it's always disappointing with a loss couple mm. of key couple of key uh, defensive decisions that mate, I wouldn't let my under sevens do that the, the two yeah. Fainai boys oh you know I, I hope they absolutely got a grilling for that performance on the weekend because um, that they, they they both of them just did not look like NRL standard, and you do that in, in junior football, you you, yeah. you expect to get yelled at at your coach, but to do that at an NRL level, um, it's just it's it, you, you just can't do that in this competition. And that's a frustrating thing because Matt, Matt Fiena, and I guess that's why Max Fiena has been told that he can look elsewhere. But for, for Matt Fiena, he seems to regress so poorly. I think we kind of said on the podcast at the beginning of um, this season that we thought he could be one of the kind of be there with one of the best wingers in the game after what we saw that incredible try against Brisbane last season. But defensively, him and both Ravalawa, they've made some atrocious defensive decisions this season. They've been very disappointing defensively and all the good work that Rav does with the ball and getting out of his own area, he's a good try finisher. The defensive reads, they've got a lot to be desired and you can talk about putting points on the board. Every team can put points on the board at times, but defence wins games and if you're not prepared to defend your line mm. or, or defend in the middle of the field, you just shouldn't be out there and um, I think there's a lot to do. I think Shane Flanagan next year is going to really come in and see and pinpoint a few players and ask them to move on and um, you know, I know Rav's re-signed but um, for me at the moment, defensively is a major problem for us Dragons on us Dragon supporters in this team we just see week in, week out around those centre positions and those guys out there on the picket swing, we've got mm. to be better.
Yeah, and like I think it's one, it's one thing to, to be able to score a try a game or score a couple of tries, but it's the old adage, if you let in, if you score one or two and you let in three or four, then yeah, I think it might even be a better situation to have a, a defensive winger in there that isn't as barnstorming, isn't someone that can finish quite as well, but can stop tries at the other end. So yeah, I would be interested to see what kind of impact Flanagan does have and, and what kind of coaching he can give some of those outside backs because there's been some pretty, pretty poor decisions. I, I think if you could eliminate even just kind of a quarter of those errors, Johnny, you're probably going to be conceding on on average six or eight points less a game, which is is making it hard for the Dragons when they 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 seem to be able to do enough at the other end. It doesn't always look convincing, but they can score points at the other end, whether it's with some individual play from Ben Hunt or uh, yeah Lomax combining with Ravalar or, or Sloan finding finding a gap. But it's at the other end that's that's certainly certainly been the concern. What did you make of the Latrell Mitchell uh, try that was was given or the the try where Latrell was was about a meter offside. It was a, it was a, it was a shocking call. And like I know Graham Annesley's come out recently and said that oh, there's not that many, uh, there's not that many mistakes in games, and people need to lay off the referees. And that's that's fair enough. It's not an easy job. I think we could talk to our mate Luke Potter, and he would tell us how difficult it is and and how thank, thankless of a job it is to to be a referee. But three weeks in a row, three. Big blunders. Like we're not talking about like little little bobbles in in the play the ball that um, haven't been haven't been picked up. These are blunders that the the bunker has had a chance to look at over and over again, and they've made mistake after mistake after mistake. I wouldn't. I'm not going to go as far as the previous two weeks where I've said that those decisions have cost the game for the Dragons, but certainly a momentum swing and certainly made it a lot tougher against a pretty good South side there on Saturday when decisions like this go against you. Absolutely agree with you, Jack. And I know it's a bit harsh for us Dragon supporters or hard for us Dragon supporters three weeks in a row we've felt we've been absolutely um, destroyed by the referees. A- and we have. We've had the, the rub of the green hasn't gone our way with referees' decisions. End of the day, it's those key key moments in the game that we're just not turning around and you know putting it behind us and, and moving on with, with the decision that's been made. But that one on the weekend was an absolute shocker. And with all the technology that we have got in the game with referees and, you know, you're going back and seeing all these replays, things have got to be better. And it's just so disappointing. It's a bit, it's a bit devastating to know that the last few mm. weeks it has been for us and it's been us dragons that have copped the, the raw end of the deal. Um, You know, it'd be nice if it happened to the storm or the roosters <laughs> or, you know, the Broncos or whoever else, someone yeah. else, but it's, it's, it's a bit harsh. It's been us. And um, look, it, yeah, it's just disappointing. It's been us. If it was another team, I'd be quite happy to to let it go, but <laughs> at the moment it's it we're being getting absolutely bent over and screwed, and um, it, it's hard to cop as a dragon supporter, especially when your team's not travelling too well and mm. you're fighting and clawing and scratching away to get a win. And as a fan, you just want them two points, and you're so close to these two points, and you're in the game, and you think, ah, oh, this is the dragons we want to support, and then you just get that decision against you, and then you turn the television off and walk outside. <laughs> Johnny, I wanted to try and find some positives from from Saturday. Was there anything that stood out to you on Saturday that you you were impressed with, whether it was, whether it was on the defensive side of the ball or the uh, the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, look, I, I was I was quite impressed with the way that Tyrell Sloan scored that try off the kick. He's just hanging around and moving around the ball. Mm. And I, I know I've always been a um, a big advocate of Tyrell Sloan and um, him playing playing fullback and everything like that. And we need to buy our time with him, but. I really think that if, if Zach Lomax, I'm going off topic a little bit yeah, here, that's Jack, right, mate. If, Zach that's Lomax, right. if, if, if Zach Lomax turns around and, and goes to fullback next year, I think Tyrell Sloan can make an absolute outstanding winger. He's got speed. He's got height. He's a good finisher. 
Um, I think that could be his position moving forward um, if, we, if we get a good fullback or if Zach Lomax goes back there. Just the way that he scored that try off the kick the other day and the way that he chases kicks, I think he can make a real good um, a, a winger down down in the future if fullback doesn't sort of – if someone better comes into that fullback position for the Dragons. And he's probably one of those players that, yeah, he's named on the wing, but when, you, when you're attacking, you could almost kind of have him floating around, couldn't you? You could almost kind of have him as a, as a second fullback or Zach could, could kind of – they have design plays where Zach kind of shifts out to uh, the centers or out, out to the wing and, and Sloan, you can kind of, yeah, kind of jump up behind and you've got a couple of legitimate attacking weapons. So he's, yeah, he's got a few options, I think, at, at the back there. Um, Shane Flanagan and I, I think, yeah, if nothing else, at least they'll be, they'll be up against each other and they may bring the best out of each other in the preseason, which I think is a, is a positive thing and something that we haven't seen from the Dragons because there just hasn't been that, that depth in, in really any position throughout the club that have seen players, um, um, yeah, up against others in in battles for for positions in preseason, and and I think that'll bring the best out in a, a lot of those players, um, and hopefully we see that uh, during during preseason. Um, I guess the the last question Johnny I was going to have is what were the negatives out of that performance? But I guess we've already covered it. The the defense again a, a real issue for the Dragons, and that little bit of ill discipline as well that yeah, that kind of forces issue uh, forces um, yeah just uh, pressure back on themselves with six agains and, and laying in the ruck when. A, that a, that little bit of fatigue does kind of creep into the Dragons game, which generally happens around that 15 or 20-minute mark. Yeah, fatigue does creep in. And when you're doing a mountain of defensive work and you you got your back to the wall, yeah, not having the best season, it seems to be mm. fatigue kicks in a lot quicker than usual. But just pu- push aside fatigue and push aside that. Defensively, again, Jack, we're just very disappointing at, at key moments. And just the, the basic defense, the basic numbering up, we're just still missing it. And... I, I've already spoken about it. That that defensive read from the Fainai boys there mm. on that left-hand side, um, yeah, it's just... I wouldn't accept that from the under-7s. Yeah, now pretty disappointing stuff from the Dragons. And, uh, yeah, I don't think too much of it's going to change over the last uh, last few weeks. They'll have a, a stern test uh, against Melbourne, uh, which we'll be talking about next here on the Red V Podcast. If you do want to get in contact with us, don't forget you can send us an email, redvpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to take a short break, and then Johnny and I are going to preview that match against the Melbourne Storm on Saturday night down at Wollongong. Last home game of the season for the Dragons on Saturday night. They take on the Melbourne Storm down there in Wollongong. It's the Saturday 7.30 game, a big game uh, for both sides. The Dragons just desperately wanting to get themselves another victory and what a scalp it would be if they could beat the Melbourne Storm aside. They have a pretty horrendous track record against. Meanwhile, Melbourne, they need to win uh, just to stay in the top four with uh, the likes of the Sharks and Raiders nipping at their heels heading into the last uh, few weeks of the season. I've kind of been saying this in our match read. Preview, uh, match previews for the last few weeks, Johnny. I just don't see anything outside of a Dragons uh, defeat this Saturday. I, I just don't have the confidence that even with a couple of those players returning that we'll be able to hold the, the likes of Melbourne, who, who look to really be hitting their straps last week and, and look like a side that's that's hungry to, to really do some damage in this final series. Side. They always have been, and I think they're hitting their straps just at the right time, the Melbourne Storm, and we're in for an uphill battle. Last home game down there at Wynn Stadium, so they should draw a reasonable crowd. All the diehard Steelers supporters should be down there to, to watch the game. But, yeah, I just think it's going to be one-way traffic this week, Jack. Um, I, I'm happy with the inclusion of Zach Lomax back in the side. I think he'll mm. add a little bit more of a dimension there out on the fringe and probably boost the boys up. But I think it might be a bridge too far for, for, for our Dragons to, to knock off the storm. 
if they do mark up against each other, him and Marion Seva would be a, no, a nice little battle. I know uh, Justin Olam is is normally the the, the real uh, uh, brick wall that would be up against Zach Lomax, but it'd be a nice little battle between yeah two young outside backs. As we mentioned, Zach's been in in, in good form over the last kind of six to eight weeks, but Marion Seva has been someone that's kind of slotted in almost seamlessly and, and seems like he's kind of given Melbourne another dimension. He scored a try, had a hand in another one on on Sunday, and that performance against the Canberra uh, the Canberra Raiders, and I think was up against Ethan Strange. He gave the, the, the poor old kid a, a bit of a bath down there at Melbourne on Sunday. Yeah, look, that could be a battle. We're going we, we're gonna to expect battles all over the field. And I think if the Dragons, you know, a, a, fa- a fair dinkum, they're going to have to put battles in all over the field. We're going to see so many good matchups. And look, for the last home game of the season you get up for, let's just hope these Dragons get up for it this weekend. Yeah, don't have a bad record at Wollongong against uh, against Melbourne, although did lose their last game there. That was back in July of 2019 when the Dragons went down 16-14. Uh, they did win uh, the previous three before that at Wollongong, uh, round 15 in 2016, won 20 to 10, uh, one there in 2014 by 24 to 12 and one in uh, 2012 by 26 points to 18. So yeah, they don't uh, they don't have a bad track record down there in Wollongong against Melbourne. They certainly have a bit more success there than they do at Cogra or uh, down uh, down in Melbourne. Um, what have you made of Melbourne recently, uh, Johnny? Um, what do you reckon their strengths like? Obviously a great performance on the weekend, but prior to that, they've kind of struggled. They've, uh, they haven't looked like the Melbourne of old. Are, are we expecting a, a bit of a juggernaut to roll into Wollongong on Saturday night? Where do, where do you see that their strengths lying in this performance on Saturday? Look, I think they've got one of the best spines in the competition. You, you can't write off a side that's got Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes or or Harry Grant. So I think on the back of that, they're just going to be way too strong for us. They have been a little bit flying under the radar in mm. a way. They haven't been the, the, the dominant Melbourne that we're used to over the past few seasons. But I think they're just starting to hit their straps at the right time and I think the next few weeks we might see Melbourne start to explode a little bit more than what they have been the last few weeks. We've seen some positive performances down at Wollongong in, in, in the past, Johnny. Do you reckon with it being the last home game of, of the season at Wollongong, that kind of maybe not gives the Dragons a, an edge, but kind of has some kind of standing on this game? Yeah, as I said, you, you always get up for your home game, your last home game, no, no matter what division of rugby league you're playing or how old you are you love playing on your home ground and I dare say there'll be a little bit a little bit of that in with these boys this weekend knowing they don't want to farewell Wollongong for the season getting an absolute thumping and I guess we look at the results that the Dragons have had over recent years and it's been a bit of a barren stretch over the last five seasons but especially at Wollongong I wouldn't say it's been a fortress but it's been a successful or a happy hunting ground for the Dragons they've played 140 games there uh, dating back to, uh, to, to 1999 85 wins four draws and 50 51 defeats. So won 62% of their games there. And the only teams that have won more, well, St. George had, had a good record down there. They won 10 of 15 for 66%. And then the Bulldogs um, won 15 out of out of 22 for 68% or have won uh, 15 of 22. And then you have obviously the Perth Reds won one, one game out of one and Newtown won both their games down there in the early 80s. So yeah, it is a, is a good place uh, for the Dragons to play and, and wouldn't it be great to get uh, victory number 86 this week. Melbourne, uh, a bit of a, a middling record down at Winstead They've played there 12 times, six wins a draw, five defeats, um, but have actually conceded more points than they've scored. So uh, hopefully uh, 
the Dragons can get one over them and, uh, yeah, get a valuable two competition points and put, uh, put to rest any hope of the Tigers overtaking them over the, these last three weeks of the season. Uh, let's just jump in now to your lower-grade wrap here on the Red V podcast. Unfortunately, it was another tough weekend for the Dragons' New South Wales Cup and Jersey Fleet Cup sides. So obviously, has a pretty big effect on what we've seen in first grade. There's been a fair few injuries and suspensions and different, different things that we've seen. So uh, the fact that there's been the likes of Billy Burns and uh, Dan Russell and uh, the Catron boys all promoted to first grade. Those guys, uh, maybe in another season, would ordinarily be in that New South Wales Cup setup. So that's affected New South Wales Cup. And then obviously there's been players like Benny Rumble that have been promoted to the New South Wales Cup side. So both of them have been affected, unfortunately. And it continued on the weekend for the Dragons in the New South Wales Cup competition. They were thumped by South. South had lost their last five in a row, but uh, the Dragons just uh, weren't able to get up for it, losing by 50 points to 12 at Redfern Oval. The two try scorers for the Dragons, Benny Rumble scored a try, uh, which was his first in New South Wales Cup, so great to see Benny get a try. Hamish Stewart, another one of those Jersey Fleet graduates, uh, the Lockford, he also crashed over midway through the second half, and Alex Lobb kicked two goals. There were some pretty pretty decent names in that South Sydney lineup as well. Uh, they had Blake Taff at fullback, and uh, the uh, Isaac Thompson is on the wing, who's played a bit of first grade. Dean Hawkins, who's uh, played a couple of times uh, this year, and, and then even people like uh, like Daniel uh, Suluka Fafida, Pima Mbazoulis, who's played a bit of first grade, and, and also guys like Michael Cheekham. So, yeah, the Dragons have a lot of young talent in there, and uh, just wasn't their afternoon as uh, they were beaten uh, relatively comfortably by 50 points to 12. Uh, they can't play finals, the Dragons. They're just uh, merely play, praying, uh, playing for pride at the moment, and hopefully we can see some positive results in the last few weeks of the season. Uh, meanwhile, uh, across in the Jersey Fleet Cup competition, that's the under-21 uh, state-based uh, New South Wales competition. Uh, the Dragons uh, again went down. Uh, this has been uh, three losses in a row for them. They were right at the eyeballs and, and had a potential chance to play finals footy, but uh, um, chances are they're not, they're not out of it, the Dragons, but I think results would have to go their way and they would need to win. Uh, they're, 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 they will need to need to need to beat Manly uh, this forthcoming week and then have a bye in round 26. So uh, yeah, they'd be very lucky to scrape into the final. So uh, they have a lot of sides that uh, in front of them that would have to do them favours. Uh, 30 points to 12, they lost uh, to South on the weekend. Uh, also at Redfern Oval, uh, Matt Noakes and Corey Akers, who was one of those St George Dragons SG Ball representatives coming through. Uh, good to see him playing uh, Jersey Fleet. He crashed over, scored a couple of tries uh, in the space of eight minutes. There gave them a glimmer of hope. Uh, but then uh, Jude Saldana from South did score uh, f- uh, about 10 or so minutes from full-time for a 30 points to 12 win. So taking a look at the ladders for both the New South Wales Cup and Jersey Flag in the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup, the Dragons can't play finals there. Uh, have nine wins, a draw, and 13 defeats down in 10th on 21 points. A bit of a shame for them uh, losing so many players. Uh, that would, that's been tough on Bronx Goodwin's side um, after they made a bit of a mini revival and had some wins against some better sides, but uh, they won't be playing finals this year and they could even uh, fall further if they lose this week with both the Magpies uh, and the Knights on 20 points, a chance to uh, potentially jump over them in the competition. Meanwhile, in the Jersey Flag Cup, as we mentioned, mathematically still available for the Dragons to play finals. They're four points outside the finals, but I, I dare say their for and against is probably the thing uh, that will stop them from playing semi-final football this year. The Storm are currently in the fifth and final playoff position on 28 points, and then you've got the Eels on 26, the Seagulls, the Dragons, and the Raiders on 24, but the Dragons 
minus 106 uh, are going to find it very, very difficult. They do have the Seagulls, in, uh, Seagulls uh, this week who are one spot above them, equal on points. So if they did win that game uh, and, uh, yeah, the Storm lost, that would give them a glimmer of hope, but they'd also have to roll on Parramatta uh, going down in their match against the Roosters, which could very well happen. The Roosters are coming first on 41 points and have only lost three times all year. But uh, you never want to be in this kind of position at the end of the season where you're relying on uh, Team A or Team B to beat Team D or D- Team E. Uh, it makes it very convoluted and very complicated. And, uh, yeah, so looking like the Dragons may not have any uh, semi-final sides uh, playing this year after the Jersey Flick side did make the finals uh, in 2022. Now, before we finish off the podcast, we've got some fan corner questions. Uh, they're going to be fired at us, uh, as we do each and every week, which we're looking forward to answer. Uh, first one uh, comes from St. Kaz, and it says, Yes, we are playing like bastards, but three weeks in a row, horrific refereeing decisions have gone against us. Is it time to investigate whether certain referees are compromised? This is not far-fetched. The more exotic betting on betting on sports is, the more likely that refs get caught up. I don't think it's as far as anything like this, Johnny. I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I just think there's it's been a coincidence. There's, there's been some really bad calls in, in three consecutive weeks. It's been different referees as well. I think it would be a little bit different if it was the, the same referee um, that was constantly perhaps screwing over the Dragons. Um, but I think in this modern age in this modern game with so many cameras I, I don't think if there was referees that were leaning that way I, I just don't think they'd be able to get away with it I think it's it's some bad luck and, and just some bad bad decisions it sucks um, but yeah there, there, there might be a little bit of un, un, unconscious bias uh, towards some of the the better sides but I, I wouldn't say that uh, yeah there's there's um, particular referees uh, that are compromised I don't know what your your thoughts are on it Johnny yeah, I agree with you, Jack. I, I don't think that some of these referees are on the take and getting a, getting a couple of thousand for pulling up the Dragons <laughs> for not winning and things like that. But, yeah, look, it, it is very disappointing that it has happened to the Dragons in the past three weeks and the decisions haven't gone our way. You know, and, and I can understand with a lot of people, a lot of support, especially, you know, your diehard supporters can go down and think that way because, you know, have been unfairly, well, not targeted, but decisions haven't gone our way in an unfair way. So... I can understand people saying that, but I dare say that some of these referees aren't, aren't getting a good sling for pulling up the Dragons the last <laughs> few weeks. Uh, we've got a good question from George on Twitter, Johnny. He said, with the talk of Lomax to one in the offseason or a potential pursuit of Manu, have the Dragons completely given up on Sloan or looking at him in a different position? Most of his attacking raids are on the right edge, almost standing at centre. Yeah, I touched on it earlier on about Tyrell Sloan. I think he can make a fantastic winger if the likes of Zach Lomax moves to one or we do go and buy another fullback or something like that. So I don't think we're, we're, we've lost Sloan or we're, you know, Shane Flanning is looking at getting rid of Sloan. I just think that he'll, 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 he will use Tyrell Sloan as a winger down the track. And the last question comes from Cooper Island. He said, who in the lineup currently is on the chopping block for next year and needs to step it up in order to stay in the team for next season, e.g. Matt Fierney. He'd probably won. Uh, Moses Suley hasn't been at his best this year. I, I wouldn't say that he's necessarily on the chopping block, but maybe someone that might need a bit of a rocket up him from the likes of, of Shane Flanagan. Um, uh, I think there's probably, all of them are probably on, on some some notice. I think you're always on notice when a, when a new coach comes in, aren't you, Johnny? Yeah, I think all of them should be on notice. And if they're not on notice, they all should be wanting to, you know, put their best foot forward. And starting November 1, when they go back to training, they've got a new coach in Shane Flanagan. He's been there before. He knows the strengths, um, the weaknesses of most of these players that have been in the system. So it'll be interesting to see what he does come November 1. But I think all these players need to put in a, a good performance the next few weeks. 
and you know put Shane Flanagan's mind at ease with some of them and then put in a real good performance starting in November 1 because he's going to be a new coach, it's a new boss and he can absolutely do what he wants come November 1. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think uh, especially considering how poor the Dragons have been over the last few seasons, there, there's definitely going to be some some player turnover, some staff ch- turnover. So yeah, if you're, you're one of those uh, one of those players that perhaps hasn't been performing like a, like a Matt Fiernay and obviously Max Fiernay has been told to look elsewhere, um, yeah, they're the ones that are going to have to be on their on their bike and, and be performing at their absolute best, even just in preseason training, just to get in the good books with the with the coach. It's going to be interesting, I think, come around that November December time because I think there'll be a few players will come in on train and trial deals and maybe might put some pressure on those those former first grade guys or those guys around the NRL top thirty. It's going to make uh, for for interesting viewing and uh, interesting uh, listening here on the podcast. And when we get towards uh, the end of end of the calendar year, that's all of our fans' corner questions for this week. If you want to get your questions featured on the podcast. You can email them to us, redvpodcast at gmail.com. That's redvpodcast at gmail.com. But before myself and Johnny get on out of here, we do need to announce the Who Am I for this week. And we mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, uh, this particular player played two first grade games for the Dragons in 2010. He also played uh, for for the North Queensland Cowboys over three years, 37 games and 15 tries. Two years at the Titans between 2014 and 2015 with 19 appearances and nine tries. And then seven. 17 games for the Dragons in 2016 and 2017 for seven tries. 75 total appearances and 33 tries. Also a New Zealand and Samoan representative. He was also a winger and he was a pretty strong one at times uh, and also had uh, some success in the lower grades uh, with the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And the Who Am I this week is Khalifa Fifi Lower. Uh, he came in and made his debut for the Dragons in 2010. He scored a double uh, on debut against the Penrith Panthers in a game where uh, the Dragons uh, went down. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was one of those players that unfortunately was kind of uh, wedged out of the, the the Dragons because of salary cap pressure and uh, had a bit of a career with, with, other, with other teams across the NRL and uh, was nice to see him finish his career with the Dragons. But a, a strong ball carrier and uh, someone that could find the line of it. Had a very prolific career in the under-20s as well. So uh, we, uh, we salute uh, Khalifa Fifi Lua. He is the Who Am I uh, this week on the Red V Podcast. That brings us to the end of episode 187. Johnny, thanks so much for filling in, mate. Always great to chew the cud with you and chat a little bit of uh, rugby league, mate, and uh, hopefully we get to do it again soon. All good, mate. Um, good to jump in off the bench and um, good to talk to you again, mate. It's, it's been a while, but um, your passion's still there from the Dragons and I hope that passion falls into a couple of the wins for the Red V. Yeah, we can only hope, hopefully, a victory against Melbourne uh, this week. Big thanks to all of you, uh, the fans that continue to tune in week in and week out. Make sure you continue to uh, follow us on all of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest uh, on the Dragons. We'll be back next Tuesday night for a brand new episode of the Red V Podcast, hopefully talking about a victory against the Melbourne Storm. But until then, on behalf of my co-colleague for this week, Johnny Pett, I've been Jack Clifton. Let's go those mighty Dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.